Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and grab a seat. I want to share some things with you, but I want to pull a Paul, if I can say that. I want to do a, I want to do a Paul. You came in here to be touched by God, not to hear from me. Um, you didn't come in here for much of anything, I hope. I, I guess some of you are family to come see some people baptized. And um, more than anything, I, I just want to start, let's just relax for just a minute. And let's just be in the presence of God. And, and Paul, when he wrote his letters in the New Testament, over and over and over again, when he got to the end of his letters, he would say, you know what? I want you to thank these people that opened up their home to the church. And I want you to thank this person that gave themselves. And I want you to thank this person. And so can we just thank our worship team for what they do? Can we do that? Listen to me. We go out of our way. We go out of our way to not put on a show. We are not interested in putting on a show. We are interested in using words and music that will get your heart into the presence of God Almighty. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, we use a little bit of, of light and a little bit of um, haze just, just to get your mind to focus on the words on that screen. And I want to thank them. Now, again, I don't do this all that often at all because we, we are gathered here with Jesus, but Paul did it. Can I thank the ASL people for being here over and over and over? You know, there's a whole community out there that does not hear what I say, but they see what he says. Can you grab a hold of that? They don't hear a word I say, but they see everything that he and she say. And she says, I didn't see you there in the dark. But our ASL team has been with us from day one and has just, I mean, whether there's deaf people from the community here or not, they have been on this stage, second service, day in and day out. And I want to thank them for that because they are a blessing to me. And when I'm worshiping, it's just a beautiful thing to watch. And I think Brian is just really good looking. Um, I just wanted to see him, I just wanted to see him sign that, that's all. I, I just wanted to make him sign that because they have to because they're signing. He has to. Now he's saying something derogatory that I don't know what it is, but that's, that's okay too. I love you. No, I really do. There it is. Thank you very much. I want to get into the Word because you came here to hear from God, and, and I want to share a message with you that, that's for real. Um, not that they're not all for real. That, that's kind of a stupid way to enter that, isn't it? Um, I am not the smartest guy on the planet. I will honestly confess to that, okay? I am here, and I am only here because I love Jesus. And Jesus said, would you do something for me? And I said, Lord, I will give you my best yes. I will give you what I can, but you're going to have to do something with it. And I just want to say tonight that it is a, I, I am so grateful to pastor this church and the difference that it makes in this community. When I see people come up and say, you don't know what this has meant to me. I want to be baptized. You don't know what this has meant to me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. You just don't know how I have connected with God in my small group and people prayed for me or they loved on me or they celebrated a birthday party for me that I didn't get invited to. But anyway, um, they do that. But we want to hear from Jesus, and we want God to speak to us. And I want to share something with you. Um, every time I will, I will pray and say, God, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me. 
Um, I don't want to just say words. I don't want to be entertaining. I, don't, I, I, want, I want to walk with you, and I want to walk these people into heaven. I want to walk them into the throne of grace. And I know life isn't always fun and good and easy, but at the same time, I know that chasing after Jesus and walking with him and being obedient to him has, has, has wrecked and done amazing things in my life. It's destroyed who I was in my flesh, and it's put me back together. I still struggle with my humanity um, at times like anybody else does, but I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm just one beggar showing all the beggars where to go get the free bread. Because I'm telling you, God's got so much forgiveness and so much love for you. So as you come in today, I wonder, do you believe? We got baptized. We, we surrendered our life to Jesus. But at the end of the day, a question that's been haunting me for the last couple of years is, do you believe? I want to share a couple of scriptures um, with you, one from Mark, one from Matthew. They're very, sim um, very, very similar from these two different um, gospel writers. Um, different scenarios, but at the same time, I want you to find yourself in the situation, okay? So in all reality, you just kind of separate yourself from tomorrow. We don't know if tomorrow's coming. If the trumpet blows tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we're going home. It's going to be great. Get out of my way. I'll crawl over top of you, okay? <laughs> it's going to happen. But if it doesn't, then we live for Christ. And so that's what we want to do. And, and as we gather together, we want to say, what does this mean for me? So separate yourself from tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday because you're not going that way. You're really not, okay? You were forgiven. Don't go back there. Don't pick it back up. It's not yours. It belongs to God. Leave it go, okay? And let's look at these two scriptures and you find yourself in them. I'm going to be reading from the book of Mark. It is going to show up up here on the screens around us. It always will. But I, I kind of am getting back into reading my paper Bible just for fun. So that's what I'm going to do, okay? And I'm going to read from verse um, 46 through verse 52. And then I'm going to jump over to Matthew and, and share a very, very um, similar story because Jesus did this over and over and over and over again the way we're doing Paul's. In the book of Mark, in chapter 10, beginning of verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho, the disciples, all the people traveling with Jesus. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, okay? The son of Timaeus was sitting by the roadside, and he was begging. He couldn't see. He was blind. Therefore, he couldn't work. And therefore, his life... It was, had been boiled all the way down to he was just begging. That's all he could do, beg. Will you give me? Will you give me? That's, that's all he could say. So he was there and he was begging. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many, <clears throat> many, not one, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him over here. <clears throat> Tell him to come here. And so they called to the blind man, Cheer up! The same people that said, Shut up! We're now saying, Cheer up! On your feet! He's calling you! Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. 
Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Flipping over to Matthew chapter 10, that's Jesus and Bartimaeus leaving Jericho, headed for Jerusalem. As Jesus was going from there, in Matthew chapter 9, beginning of verse 27, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David! And when he had gone indoors, he went inside, the blind men came to him and he said, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored to them, and Jesus warned them sternly and said, See that nobody knows about this. But they went about and spread the news about him all over that region. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now to do a work inside of us. Because we're here, and because this scripture needs to be real to us, and we need you here. We don't understand what, what uh, uh, understand Jesus and what it means for us to be involved in kingdom work. We, we don't always. We're human beings trying to understand God 2,000 years later. And we're trying to wrap our heads around it with, with the Word. And we need to be in the Word. We, we've got to be a people of the Word. We've got to get in there. Sometimes the Scripture records that Jesus and His disciples healed many, sometimes just one, another time only a few because of unbelief. At times Jesus tells us that it's based upon our faith that we receive our heart's desire. Not just once, somebody petitioned on behalf of somebody else and they were healed and they didn't even know that it was going on except suddenly they were healed. Once a cripple was healed that never even believed on Jesus. When Jesus said, do you want to be healed? He said, you don't get it. I can't get into the water. He never answered the question. It wasn't His faith. It wasn't his faith at all. And Jesus tells us that all authority is bestowed upon us as he leaves the earth. When he, when he ascended into heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and now I send you. He's saying, I'm commissioning you. I'm giving you this authority. I'm letting go of it. I'm going back to heaven to sit on the throne next to Dad to prepare a place for you, but I'm giving you this authority. And he left. But we have to be a people of the book. We have to open it, and we have to determine, will we live our lives based on what we read about the teachings of Jesus? Will we literally live our lives and believe these stories and act as if we believe these stories? And Jesus asks a couple of, uh, a couple of questions. In the one story, Jesus comes um, through Jericho. It's the town that was torn down. When Joshua marched around it, if you're familiar with that story, they blew trumpets after the seventh day or on the seventh day, and it all came crumbling down, and they went in and they killed everybody. And I believe this is the city where the Lord said, if anybody tries to lay this city foundation upon foundation and build it back up, his house will be cursed and they will become a big dung heap. That means a poop hill. Seriously. The Lord, you know, we think the Bible is sanitized and super clean, and it's not. We just read it that way because we don't want to offend anybody. Okay, but that's what the scripture says. And so this town wasn't built, but it was built a little further down the road, rebuilt a little further down the road. And Jesus would have been leaving Jericho and scholars have to determine, was he leaving old Jericho or new Jericho? And I'm going to be honest with you, who cares? I listen to people argue about what do you think the means when Jesus said the Lord is coming back? Who cares what the means? Who cares? The scripture says you have to accept this and understand it and live it out like a baby, like a child. 
is the way we're supposed to interact with the Scripture. And there are people that will say, oh, you're just simple-minded. I'm just going to understand it simply, so I'm going to go ahead and be called simple-minded because I'm going to take the word Scripture for face value until I can't. At the point that I can't, then I'll try to understand it a little bit deeper. But Jesus asks a couple of questions as he's interacting with these people, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And so I wonder, we come in here tonight and we want to lift up our hearts and we want to sing and raise a hallelujah and we want to push back the enemy and we want to be the light in the dark and I'm, I'm for that. But you come in here and you do have a heart's cry. You do. There's something going on in your life that you just wish God. And I won't go any further than that. You, you fill in the blank. You just wish God. And I believe that the Lord has told me to stand on this stage tonight and ask you this question. What do you want me to do for you? Why aren't we as important as the two blind men? Why do you think that you're not as important as the two blind men from 2,000 years ago? Why do you think that God stopped doing things all of a sudden? Did he really or did we just stop believing? And by believing, I mean acting and doing and moving forward in faith? Did we stop chasing uh, down the Holy Spirit? Did we stop tearing the roof off of houses and lowering people down into it? And I, and I would recommend not doing that. But you understand the, the, the just the, mm, we've got to do something. We've got to tell people about the resurrection. We have got to invite people to church. We have got to share our personal testimony of how Jesus saved us. We've got to do that. Jesus told these blind men, don't tell anybody and they were like oh hang you we're going and telling everybody we can see now you heard me say I was in Zimbabwe some of you know I was in Zimbabwe because I texted from Zimbabwe or I Facebooked like a 13 year old girl and I know I'm hard on 13 year old girls in here but um, th that's just what I Facebooked like and I had that opportunity to go into a hospital that wasn't really a hospital it was a shed a giant shed empty and devoid of anything hospital like because the doctors were on strike and the nurses were about to go on strike and there was a blind man in there who wanted to get his foot fixed and some people prayed for him and he felt like he could see so two of us went over and prayed for him some more and suddenly he could see and he kept calling us white people and that's how I knew he could see <laughs> because he wasn't a white people but he suddenly realized there was a white man standing in front of him that he'd never met before and suddenly a white woman walked past him and he started hollering and screaming and the nurses said he can't see and he was doing a fine job of seeing and she said he comes in here every so often so we can work on his foot and try to do things for him but he's been blind he's always been blind he's 80 some years old and he's been blind why do we think God doesn't want to do that for us listen to Jesus say what do you want me to do for you what would you tell God if he literally walked into this room and said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What would it be? As we press into God, I think that the answer to that question from your heart is so incredibly important to God. I want to think about what it is that you're crying out to God for. What is this blindness that cripples you? Do you believe that God can accomplish this cry of your heart? Do you believe that? 
It's a tough question because the Scripture says in James 4, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you might spend what you get on your own pleasures. Kind of interesting that even back in the day, people just wanted to win the lottery, didn't they? <laughs> Lord, there's six numbers that I'd like for you to share with me, if you don't mind. The one being the Powerball. <laughs> and they had the same problem back there. And James, the brother of Jesus, not James, the brother of John, James, the brother of Jesus, said, listen, you got to stop making this about you, about having and owning and piling up and storing up. You've got to make that life about the kingdom. If you were like, like Bar, uh, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want Jesus to do? James and John had a request of Jesus. We want to sit in positions of power. We want to be famous. We want to be loved. We want to be popular. We want to be powerful like you, Jesus. Simon the sorcerer asked it of the disciples, <clears throat> give, us this, give me this gift that you have of being able to heal people. He wanted to sell it. <clears throat> That's what he was after. Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to be loved like, like the disciples. They wanted to be thought highly of in the spiritual community. They said, yes, we've sold everything, and we've given everything we possibly have. And the Holy Spirit killed them dead right there. Think upon that for just a little while. Not because I want you to think ill of God, but when, next time when you say God wouldn't do that, remember that story and wonder, God why don't you do that to me? How have I been spared? What's going on here? As we do this and we, and we look at this thing right here, everybody wants popularity that comes with being in charge. I see it all the time when people come to me and they want to be the pastor, but they don't want to live it out. What they want is to sit up here on this stool right where I am right now without the work that goes into it. Listen to me. I am nobody. When I die, I will be gone I will be remembered for a little while. But should God tarry 50 years down the road, I will not be exalted and highly lifted up. People will wonder, who? Joe who? And I'm okay with that. My only concern is who's going to heaven with me in the midst of it all? What is your heart crying out for tonight? That's the question. What is your heart crying out for tonight? And the second question Jesus asked these blind men is this. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Do you believe that he's able to do that for you? Will you pray like Jesus said pray until you get it? Will you cry out until heaven has to turn and look at you until you get it, whatever this is? Praying that it's not a totally narcissistic, self-centered thing, but rather something you will invest into the kingdom of God? Do you believe? Listen to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe in Jesus the Christ? Do you believe that he came in love? Do you believe that he told us to love our enemies and that he actually meant it? That the church is supposed to be separate from the world in all things that we do so that we're not acting like the world, but we're acting in the world as an, uh, uh, an agent of change for people's lives. Do you believe that he lived and he died for your sins and the sins of the world? 
Do you believe that God Almighty raised him from the dead? Literally. Over 500 people saw him days after he was buried. That's why we can believe the account of the Scripture. They were there, and nobody has changed their tune yet, and they were killed for it. Do you believe that he's seated at the throne of the right hand of our Father, and he's doing his best to act on your, behalf, on your behalf, but what he's doing may not be what you want, but it's what he knows is good for you because he is actually trying to do something amazing in your life. And he has saved you from so much that you're not even aware of. You know when you almost got T-boned by that person today in, the, in traffic? That should have woke you up and said, man, I wonder what else he saved me from that I don't know about. Do you believe that he's seated at the right hand of the throne? Do you believe that he commanded you and I to make disciples? Do you believe that Jesus literally said that you are to make disciples and that that's one of the things that he's going to ask us, not beat us up with, but hold us accountable for? Do you believe that he's coming back for his followers, his children, his bride? Do you believe that he's going to separate the sheep and the goats at the end of the age like he said? And some of the people that we love the most aren't going to heaven. And to some degree it might because, be because we didn't invite them. We kept our mouths shut. Do you believe that we are called to leave our life of sin? In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anybody that comes to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. As we petition God for healing, as we petition God for romance, as we petition God for finances, are we earnestly seeking Him in all of this? In the book of Revelation, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. And I didn't want to split a verse because then you would think I was cherry-picking, so kind of hold on to that one gently unless you really feel like it applies to you right now, like God's just going to spank your bottom. No, but understand. He says, Be earnest and repent. But listen, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock, and if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with you, with that person, and they will eat with me. And so I believe that tonight Jesus is calling you to come in and share with him your burden. What do you want me to do for you? Listen to the voice of the Lord. However you hear it, listen to him say, what do you want me to do for you? But the second question is almost more important. Do you believe I can do this? That's what God is asking you. The blind man had a chance to sit inside with Jesus, to get into the church, to get plugged in, to get involved in giving and receiving. And I believe that tonight, God wants to do something in your life. So if the prayer team will step up here for me. We want to pray. We want to pray. As we come before God, we recognize that you and I are human beings and we have problems like anybody else. We're not perfect. But if there's sin in our lives, why don't we just stop right now and say, God, I'm sorry for this sin. I'm just sorry. Whatever it is that is just gnawing at your heart, I just want you to hold on to it for a second. 
whatever that thing's plaguing you, that hook that's in you. And then I want you to see Jesus on that cross and I want you to let go of it. Let go of it. And now I want you to hold on to that thing that you want Jesus to do for you. Because that's what we're trying to get to. Let's let go of the sin. And let's hang on to the grace. The grace that raised my Jesus from the dead. The grace that says, I love you, and I would die for you all over again, even if you were the only one that ever surrendered your life to me. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's where we want to cling. That's where we want to grab a hold of. And then let's just stop and say, this thing that I want you to do for me, Lord, maybe I'm struggling to believe that you can do it. Or maybe somewhere in here I'm struggling to believe that I'm worthy enough for you to do it. I already know that you're worthy enough. I know. You know how I know? Because he died for you and made you worthy. Not because you were worthy, but because he made you worthy. You, when you surrender your life, are children of God. When you let go of all the other religions of the world, all the demons that you danced with that you don't want to play with any longer, when you let go of them, you can tell them to go away. And you can focus on this thing that you want God to do for you. But what I want to know is, is that something you want to invest in the kingdom of God or something you want for you? Because I believe that God wants to do something in your life right now, right this second. And we want to pray for you.